Buongiorno, beautiful beings, and thank you for downloading what is a super fun episode of this week's TB podcast. Before we get to our great guest this week, Muska, we have to congratulate our winners of our paradigm competition, and thank you to everyone who entered. The first in best dressed was Alex Miller and Trent Sherry. Thanks for sharing, liking, and tagging the pod, as well as sending us some good, funky new tunes. To check out the tunes that the guys loved and recommended to us, go to the TB podcast, the Techno Beat with Trent Bice Facebook page, and you can see the shares that they did from our latest episodes uh, with Nataplex and also the post-esoteric, post-pitch, and all of the uh, the wrap-up from our Labor Day events. So congrats to Trent and Alex. By the time most of you guys are listening to this, though, Paradigm would have been over because that is on Saturday, March 30, and we are in for an absolute ripping day. You'll be able to check out some of the TV podcasts because we will be recording live from Paradigm and have a super post-Paradigm wrap-up episode coming just next week. So look forward to that as we interview some of the biggest stars in the world of Psytrance and Techno. Other events coming up in the world of not only Trent, but music around Melbourne. Uh, First of all, uh, yes, Paradigm is... March 30th, also on the 30th is the, is the fundraiser for Phil K, which is happening at Ladi Dar. Muska does go into detail of that very early in this podcast, so all the information is there if you get a chance to listen to that and pop down for those not going to Paradigm. Phil K, a pioneer in the Melbourne techno scene and great to see the way that the community's come together to get around and support him with this great event. And we look forward to seeing the, uh, the numbers and the, of the amount raised and how that's going to, to help Phil with his treatment. Also, a big shout out to my brother James. It's his birthday on Sunday. Happy birthday, Jamesy. He probably doesn't listen to the pod, but I'm going to give him a shout out anyway and make sure he listens to this 30 seconds of it. Hope you have a good day. Looking forward to catching up with your brother. Also, on Thursday, SAE, my uh, my graduation class, has their graduation event on the Thursday night. So also looking forward to rekindling with a lot of the old heads there. Most of the ones that uh, showed me the ins and outs to how to use all this stuff. So some very creative brains there very talented people will all be celebrating together so uh not a a fun party event but it will be definitely a very uh satisfying i think and warming event and no doubt a few beers will be tipped down at the pub afterwards so looking forward to that and thanks to everyone at sae for contributing uh to not only the projects i've been a part of but to everyone else and making each other better as for the fun I've been lucky enough to have a couple of debut gigs coming up at some special venues around Melbourne. Uh, My Aeon on April 6th is hosting Dream Vibes, Psytrance from Mexico, uh, so you can catch me there, as well as uh, supporting Coming Soon and 4i20, which is on Easter weekend, so that's on April 20th. So a couple of big Psytrance events there, which you'll catch me playing a bit of the techno in the side rooms whilst the uh, internationals are out. But also, one of our favorite events of the year at Porn & Co Days Bar on April 7th. So next Sunday, or possibly even this Sunday by the time you download this, Day Doof featuring Marika Rossa at Porn & Co. She's playing late in the Arvo. We've also got Hands Down and Lee Boy, Laura King, Mary's playing again. I'll be on after Holmes John so you can catch me at midnight on Sunday night at Day Doof. It's time to go to Porn & Co Days Bar, Days Bar. And it was a good time there on the weekend, just gone as Adam Wicks showed us what he's got ahead of Dosh Pot and then also Arvez Valari uh, at the e-music showcase there for Day Spa. They had a nice little old school Day Spa, Relaxo Day, Ball Pit. It was just good fun vibes. 
and Portico, as always, turn on the goods. It's time to go to Portico. Also last weekend, to give a bit of a recap, Neelix was at Bloom in Geelong and it was unreal. Thanks to Aaron for having us there and giving us the royal treatment. Um, Neelix, as always, puts on a show. Those speakers were absolutely getting slammed and could handle every little bit of it. Um, thank you very much and, and well done to Bloom for putting on such a good event. We look forward to seeing Neelix again at, at Paradigm. Two other events just to whack in your calendar as well. Uh, we do go into the organic audio party that's coming up at Brown Alley on the 12th. Muska would, uh, gives us the full rundown of what's going to be happening there. Also on that same night, if you like the heavier techno, Keith Carnell is playing at XE54. So Warg, who put on the awesome Senso Shounds event uh, last month featuring Andre Winter and Carlo Ruiz, they're back at it with Keith Carnell on the 12th at XE. There's still a few tickets left available. Um, the guys have even given us here at the pod a few, so hit us up as we've got some discount tickets here available also. So, massive run of events from Dream Vibes at my Aeon, Proc and Fitch also at the Timber Yard on the 6th, Porn and Co. Dayduff, Keith Carnell on the 12th at XE, Organic Audio at Brown Alley on the same day, and then coming soon on 4 20 on, April, on Easter weekend of April 20. We're in for a perler, but let's get straight into it. Here's some wisdom from the OG. It was great to have him along. Let's send it over to our, uh, our public address announcer for the special introduction of this week's TB podcast. <clears throat> Making his way to the mic, five foot eight, from South Park Elementary, Beverly Hills High School, and Mandurah Catholic College. He's the co-founder of Hatch, Bush Techno, Organic Audio, and Let Them Eat Cake. Featuring at the upcoming Phil K fundraiser and host of Organic Audio's Black and White Party, it's Michael Muska. Very good. It is a sunny autumn we're in now, day here in St Kilda East. We've had Muska roll in. He's got the plain black top on. He's got the hair looking schmicko. Is it? Uh, sli- uh, what do you call it? The, t- the tat sleeve. Are you ready to rock, Mr. Muska? Yeah, let's do it. Thank you for being here. Um, first of all, how did you get here this afternoon? In my brother-in-law's Land Cruiser. Yep. Nice yep. drive. Through the Melbourne traffic. Shit of a fucking trip, though. <laughs> and, uh, and what were you listening to on the way over? No, I, I, I wasn't. I was... Man, I had the He's GPS, which is the in the Land Cruiser, mm-hmm. and it was just sending me the wrong way, and I had my other one going at the same time, <laughs> and texts and calls coming through at the same time, and I'm really fucking bad for, yeah, like, I don't know if that's incriminating, but... <laughs> that's proper multitasking. Yeah, yeah like, I'm multitasking the whole time. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't actually listen to anything on the way. I was listening, though, today to, um, his name's really hard to say, Il- Lario Labrini. Labrini. Yeah, Labrini. Yep. It's like, um, I was listening to that today though in the car. He's like a really hypnotic uh, kind yep. of like house slash techno, but okay. it's really hard to explain. Yeah. How do you spell really, that? Really, double L. Yeah. A R I N O. Okay. L U B R. Check it out. He's fucking sick though. Yeah. And I've been listening, and I was also listening to a lot of this Modcraft. Uh, who I just recently 
discovered through Ashroy, who was oh, playing here. Who isn't there? Some of him today. Yep. And Ashroy, you were hosting. Ooh, him I was here. also listening to Blue Tongue today. Actually, I did Blue listen Tongue. to. No, I actually did. I listened to a few Blue Tongue tracks on yeah. the way over here, which is Goosebumps. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, like he used to be, a, well, he's a glitch hop producer yeah. who's like slowly. Is he based over. in Melbourne or? Yeah, he just moved here. He's from Australia. I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly where he was before that, but. Um, he's writing all this like dirty bird house music at the moment. Yeah, and cool. He's, he's, he's on the pulse. Yep. So mm. for our uh, lovable loyal listeners, uh, thanks for tuning in. If you want to play at home for what Musker's mug really looks like, you can check him out on Instagram at Michael Musker. That's just Michael spelt normal. Not much going on M-U-S-K-A. my Instagram. <laughs> you can also find him on uh, Facebook, uh, also on Organic Audio, but he is producer, DJ. You call yourself a creative director and founder, but basically entrepreneur. Man of all things doof. Um, well, let's first of all touch on, I guess, a couple of quick things. You, you basically, you recently did the stage at Esoteric. Mm. Um, you've also just hosted Asteroid at Circus. Mm. Um, but let's um, like hit the main promo first, I guess. Phil K, the fundraiser coming up uh, this weekend. Yeah. Yep. So there's a there's a whole community behind that with stable music, uh, Sunny. Myself, uh, organic audio, um, dark beat, yep. and slow mo, mm-hmm. uh, which is fucking awesome. All all great crews uh, coming together to uh, put on this uh, fundraiser for Phil. Yes, uh, and if for anyone out there who doesn't know Phil, and you're living under a rock, or you're just really young, um, but he's like uh, he, he was he's a superstar. Yeah, we should have uh, a flyer there with uh, Phil K. I think it's one towards the end there, Julian. <laughs> Um, which we'll post on the when we post this one. So it's yeah. Sorry to cut you off there, Musk, but no, Mar- March thirtieth. A uh, bit of the lineup includes John Course, Casey Taylor, Dave Urich, Ivan Goff, Jamie Stevens, your good self, um, at Lady Da. New breed as well, which was like just such a huge act. Uh, at, like in the nineties, uh, so two thousand breakbeat yep. act. So when did um, you first meet Phil? And I guess, um, do you mind just going well, in quickly heard, about the, like, what the fundraiser is about? I, I heard of Phil in like, you know, 99 um, when I was just finishing high school. Uh, and like all of these guys I knew, most of these guys I knew in 99. Jamie Stevens was part of a group called Infusion back then. Yep. Which was like my fucking favourite live act in Australia. I followed him around like a fanboy. Mm-hmm. Went to all their shows all around Australia. Um, so, yeah, like Phil was just like this god who I didn't even know was Australian, to be honest. Yeah. Sean Quinn as well. I thought oh, these guys were, uh, you know, I actually had no idea where they were from. I mean, like, finding out information about artists back then was a lot harder than it is now. Yeah. You know, internet was kind of yeah. not even a thing. So how I did you find out about a lot of these guys? I found out, like, just by going to parties and a lot of back-end industry talk. I had a friend uh, in Western Australia that I used to hang out with. Uh, his name is Toby. Uh, and he um, he just he just knew all the right people in West Australia and seemed to get me backstage and yeah. um, you know and they would just talk about who's hot and you know like I mm. would uh, hear them talk smack and then I'd go check out their music and then go watch them play and yep. you know I just liked the music and just got pointed in the right direction straight from the get go of who to listen to and, yeah. and and who to look up to and um, and they sure were people to look up to. Um, and yeah, and like just, uh, I saw Sean Quinn play at Two Tribes in Western Australia, like when I was like eighteen, and that's how I that's how I first heard of him. And then I had a mate like go, we have to go watch him play, and it was just fucking next level. Yeah, and um, 
Yeah, so... So you're playing with Jiden at that one? Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, Jai's been, like, super involved in organic audio and... Um, but especially in this event, helping out with artwork and um, yep. promotions and Jai so, Mills and Recovery Collective. Socials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jai yeah. <laughs> Mills. Friend of the pod. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was like, you know, it seemed right to share my set with him. Uh, but Phil, but uh, um, Danny Benici actually did the lineup though, and Phil K did the lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yep. it, it's, their, it's their posse. Cool. Um, now, three quick questions we normally start the pod with, but we kind of jumped the gun mm. is you just did mention WA a little bit. But so three quick ones. When's your birthday? Uh, you don't have to say what year. 9th of the 7th, 83. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and where were you born? In Perth, Western Australia. And who's the most special person in your life? Most special person in my life? Yes. Definitely Malou. Yeah. My daughter. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, so I guess what motivated you to come along today? Otherwise, you mentioned you wanted to, to help um, pump up the, fu- the fundraiser for Phil, um, but also we wanted to tell a bit more about your story and I guess what goes into the behind the scenes of, of Doofs and Labels. Yeah, but look, like I'm... I'm I guess I'm active enough on Facebook, mm-hmm. um, but my promotions for myself sucks. <laughs> I, I don't do fucking anything really, and, and you know, you got the um, music, do the talking, mate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I definitely claim the underground, uh, you know, so you, slogan. But um, yep. but yeah, like I, I guess it's it's getting to a point now where there's there's so much on, and I've fallen, I've definitely fallen behind in in in. Um, you know, my promotions as as in like a, I have so much shit to say and mm-hmm. I don't know how to catch up. Yep. So when, you know, when you suggested this, it was just yeah. a fucking mm-hmm. great way to just yeah. talk it all out, you know, and if anyone gives a shit, they can listen. If they don't <laughs> want to listen, I don't really give a shit either. So yeah. well, I guess perfect. I guess they're still listening. If they, do, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, if they don't, they can, you know, just switch back to the Nanoplex one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Cheers, my friend. Um, yeah, but to say to say I'm a shit promoter, though, I mean, I mean, at self promotions, I mean, I I do do promotions <laughs> <laughs> for events and yep. festivals, but yeah, yes. but when it comes it's to yourself, it's a bit different pushing yourself. It's a bit yeah. fucking weird. So speaking of pushing yourself, we've got the uh, the big esoteric bush techno set times behind you, um, yeah, which night. was yeah, the Friday. <laughs> How'd uh, you get that, mate? Um, oh, no, a nice guy running the stage let me borrow it and use it as a birthday card for my friend <laughs> yes. who uh, he just hasn't come to pick it up yet. Yeah. But um, so I guess I did, I did put out to a few people some different things to ask you and to, to get the, I guess, to give the people what they want. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, one of the things that, that came up, and we'd like to thank Laura for uh, submitting this question, right. um, but I guess how long are you on site prior to the festival starting? So Esoteric was a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. and. Basically, what goes into the stage design, um, and, and I guess line, booking a lineup as well. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, uh, first question uh, up on site. Well, it starts with truck driving. Yep. Uh, so you know, we hire we hire a truck, and mm-hmm. um, we collect everything. We start driving it up. Yep. So what's that? A week before? Two weeks before? <laughs> um, depends. Depends yep. on how big the job is, um, and depends how many people are on the job. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's a better like. Look, so Esoteric, we were up there for 10 days. Yeah, and we've got a few photos that people can look at of Esoteric. Um, they can flick through on the website as well, we'd yeah. say no. So this is the start of our little show and tell game. So we'll flick through some of them as we're looking. Yeah, Esoteric yep. was like 10 days, but that was we, we took it really easy and went slow, small yep. team. Cool. You know, Babylon, that Swamp Creatures one. Yeah. Me and Dave were up, for, up there for nearly four weeks. Yeah, it right. It was just me and him. Yeah. Was that the one when you were in the pit? Yeah. Yeah, right. So sick. Yep. Uh, that was just me and him though, mm. just like plugging away slowly and then and then like you know the team came in in the last seven days and did all the like 
the yeah. little bits, the, sure. the decor and stuff. But um, so so it varies. But at least two weeks is good. Two weeks is good okay. for a big job. Yeah. Um, it just it, it's comfortable when you don't have to kind of pull your hair out stressing. Yeah. But yeah, the whole lead up before that is a lot of site visits, picking the spot. Yeah. And stuff like that. So yeah, that the creative process, I guess, is um. I figured it out now, which is at, <laughs> at, at first it was like I probably did a lot of cunts heads in because um, it's all learning, you know. Um, but the creative process now is um, go up to site, get inspired by. Well, I, I always nailed this bit, like going up to the site and, and finding a spot and, and working with the environment, like looking around, just walking around and going, you yeah. Know, Where's the spot? Yep. And they're just waiting, going, oh, there it is. <laughs> you know? So you guys have to, so you obviously didn't have to clear out any, you didn't clear out any trees or any of that sort nah, of thing. Nah, nah, just went. Uh, like, Esoteric was easy because Esoteric, I already, I already knew the site and I already knew where I wanted to do it. Okay. Uh, whereas Babylon was like, you know, I want to go up there and suss it out and yeah. strawberries usually like walk around, where, where's yeah. the spot? Oh, yeah, there, so there, there at, it is. Babylon, when you had the pit a few years ago, mm. did you guys have to dig all that out or was that kind of a... No, that's like of... a, a, a dried up river creek. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you just... Yeah, totally weren't allowed to do it. Funny, <laughs> funny story. I was told yeah. not to do it. That's yeah. why I went up four weeks early and just did it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then they rocked up and they were like, we told yeah. you you're not allowed to do this. And I was like, well, <laughs> we already started. I can't, I can't, I can go home. Yeah. Um, so, like, but they copped a fifteen hundred dollar fine for that, and I think it's oh, totally worth it. So, what, why is that? Because it's like natural. Yeah, you weren't allowed to do it. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. you know, there's just all these fucking stupid rules that Australia has. I mean, like, oh, you know, some are stupid, some aren't. I guess some, some are like, you know, protecting the land and its resources, which are, I'm all about mm-hmm. that shit. And yep. you know, like, sustainability and stuff is something that I'm very passionate about and want to see the whole festival scene move towards. And you know, and working with the environment and not and not trashing it mm-hmm. but yeah there was no it was harmless putting putting yeah. that stage in that <laughs> you know yeah. um, um so and painting trees is totally fine you know <laughs> <laughs> they grow out of it yeah um, so this year's theme at esoteric was um the well the animal was the owl and transformations yeah well so 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 basically so the creative process is like so uh pick pick the spot get um, get inspired by the land, uh, which is and and so I kind of treat it like writing music now. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, so I'm just like, okay, what do I do when I write a track? And so the process of writing a track is being inspired to start with. So I, I use the environment to inspire me. Then I um, collect my loops and samples and, yep. and, and, and do my sound design uh, with the track. And so that's me driving around and finding hard rubbish okay. and finding, you know, uh, you know, warehouses that are throwing out shit and whatever and collecting everything and bringing it home and grouping it into, yep. into loops and samples, you know, mm-hmm. and, and going, okay, this, this, this all goes together, this will look good together. You know, and this is and this is what we're going to create, and then create the loop, like you know, in your head kind yeah. of thing, and then um, get it all up to site, and then and then comes the uh, the composition, and that's when I get the builders in, and um, I, I tell them the ideas. Look, these are the loops and samples. This is what we're doing. Yep. Uh, and then I find a hook, which is like the main feature, the main look. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, which is like in this case with the esoteric stage, the stage looking down the the tree line, and, and then this stage was actually. A recycled stage and already used, so I, I, I knew what the hook was and I knew where to place it, and you know, so that was really easy for this particular job. Yeah. Um, but you know, in in other projects, it's what is the idea and you know what what's the what's yeah. the concept? Because it was really cool standing behind the stage at either end, and you can see like through kind of like the tunnel, and yeah. there's the owl at the end, or you stand yeah. at the other end with the owl, like you can see with the tree lines there, yeah. which is one of the pictures. Oh, <laughs> dude, and I have so many ideas for that spot. I mean, yeah. as soon as we can get fucking sick lighting and a yeah. bigger budget, it's yeah. all about bigger budgets for me right now. <laughs> uh, then, and then there's the 
you know, audio engineering, uh, which is in this case with the stage, the decor, like yeah. the processing, yeah. the, the, you know, the going through it, cleaning it up and mm. adding those little, yeah. you know, features and, you know, yeah. stuff so like that. Are you, you physically know? building a lot of that stuff or do you have a, like a couple other, like, like we had Albert Hunt in a couple of weeks ago who helped build it at Babylon. Do you have a, like a our, chippy or whatever he comes in doing it? Our, our, our crew uh, for each job has been different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like the... Uh, there was Dav, uh, who was predominantly a big part of all of them up until Strawberry this, last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, Brucey was a was a big part of most of them. But the first the first one was with um, Mycelium Warehouse, yeah. and that was like a collab with us uh, mm-hmm. and and them just like helping me make a footprint because yeah. they knew it was something I wanted to do for ages, and they they got behind us and they actually introduced me to. A lot of those boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, there's Angus who really kind of sh- shone through on Strawberry this year, just absolutely kicked ass. And that one had Albert yeah. and Sean O, and they were, like, new to it, and Jane, James Mil- Milani, who was also involved in okay. the hatch build yep. in, in, in Bali. Um, but, look, like, at the end of the day, uh, and we also had on this job Frida, who was fucking awesome, and, and Damon and Lucy. Yeah. Um, but hey. look, look the the main thing though with organic audio, in particular, is it's Chia. Yeah, you know she's the look. Yep. Chia Jen, and um, you know it's her painting it. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I've I've, I've always just believed that um, you know she she is the look. Yeah. And of organic audio, and she is now like starting to step up into a creative director role. Oh, cool. Um, you know because we have Malou, and um, you know we both have really similar tastes. So last year at Strawberry Field, she actually was uh, way more involved with the Deep Jungle stage yeah. than I was, yeah. uh, which wasn't actually an organic audio branded stage, but it was still uh, yeah. kind of an organic audio concept with James Milani's kind of spin on it yeah. and Chia kind of directing it. Sure. Of all the know? stages that you've done, organic audio or otherwise, yeah. um, which are you most proudest of? I fucking love Swamp Creatures. Yeah. That shit was fucking insane. Yeah. So whereabouts is that? Uh, you know, the, the, that was the, the one in the creek. Yeah, okay, yep. But, sure. yeah, like, um, well, how, how yeah, important- yeah, like I, 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 Esoteric wanted me to work with him from the start and, and mm-hmm. it was a hard pick to choose between Babylon and Esoteric, but it was that creek that made me yeah. go across. And, I just had to do it. Yeah. And I'm so glad I did. But um, I just, yeah, look, as cool as Babylon is, I just um, I have to really be pick and choosy with what I do because I'm just so flat yeah. out. Yeah, sure. And um, and look, esoteric. The reason why I'm doing esoteric is just more my vibe. When I'm, yeah. like, I'm a hippie at heart, I've been I've been involved in the hippie. Yeah, <laughs> I do scene from a really young age. And, well, on that, how important yeah. is having a sustainable site? Because obviously, something like that, it's going to make it a lot easier in for future esoterics. But just I guess in general, like the, the not not jumping from location to location obviously makes life a lot easier. And and having like, you know, proper rubbish and compost toilets and all that sort of thing. Yeah, it's really important to me. Yeah. Not everyone does it. Mm. And like and a lot of these festivals definitely fucking waste material. Yeah. Like it's it's sad. Mm. I've, I've even I'm not a I'm not the type <laughs> of man to cry. Yeah. But I've got teary yeah. at times. Yeah. Especially if the acid goes the other way. <laughs> but um <laughs> But um yeah look like it's um it's it's quite stupid how many truck drives and how much shit gets burnt off uh, yeah. at these festivals. But it's, it's yeah. like that all over the world. I mean, we are, we are, we as a society are pretty, 
But it's also festivals like this that open people's eyes to, I know it did for me anyway, to being more environmentally conscious and recycling and picking up your rubbish and reusing stuff. So Yeah, so um, they promote that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good and, it, and there is an awareness. But like, and look, it was 100% there and it 100% was uh, the ethos of every doof. Like, and, and, and when I entered do scenes when I was a youngin, like, fuck, man, it was the most environmentally conscious shit that you could ever go to. It was the most spiritual shit you could ever go to. Yeah. It was, like, all about community and connection. We have, though, lost our way in the last five years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we have. And it's because of this younger generation coming through. They're just, they're just consumer, uh, you know, social media yeah. uh, morons. Yeah. And, uh, like, you know, I love them. I love everyone. I don't, but they are... Yeah. They, they do need to wake up a bit. And look, I, I feel for them though. I've empathetically sat there from an older person's perspective and remembered what it was like to be young. Mm. And you're entering a world where it feels, it feels fucking helpless. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? You're, you're entering this world where like you, it's, we're done. We're fucked. Mm. With climate change, 10 years, fucking 20 years, we're lucky if we're around still. Mm. So like what else are you going to fucking do except go, what, 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 what difference am I going to make? I'm just going to get fucked up. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's the attitude that they have. And I, and I totally get it and I really feel for them and it's probably fucking hard to know where you fit in the world and everyone's got mm. their shit going on and stuff like that. But the ethos of these fucking types of festivals and what we're about and raising the awareness is together as a community, mm. we can change that. Yeah. And I guess that's so, why it's heartwarming leaving a festival like Esoteric and seeing not tents scattered everywhere. Like exactly. Some other ones that happened throughout the Yeah, and if we can get season. if we can get that kind of um, consciousness back and, and realize that in numbers we are strong. Yeah. And if, if together consciously we all kind of tap into, you mm. know, uh, what's good for us and our personal development and the the environment, mm-hmm. we can do something pretty fucking special. Um, yeah, and, and it doesn't just have to be psychedelic trip it can actually come into action yeah so yeah it'd be good to see that happen and we'll be pushing for it to happen every day yes Uh, (laughs) i concur um so now before we take a bit of a step back in time and explore the past musker um we were just going to go over also the hey actually book the stage or book the artist like how far out do you have to do that and i guess how much planning you have to go into how you're going to build the night and where you want it to I guess climax and and also yeah. put everyone to sleep not too loose yeah yeah so um look like this is we could go on for ages about <laughs> like that that is actually I'll flick it next time you got three minutes fucking super deep, deep subject to me like because like bookings is pretty much the inspiration of everything like I mean I wouldn't have even got into events yep. if it wasn't to book because um like a really good way to get booked is to suck a mean cock Yes. And I don't do that, and a lot of the guys I book don't do that, and mm-hmm. so therefore they don't get booked. And and oh, so that, now I know uh, how Adam Wicks get, that's how Adam Wicks gets the gigs at day time. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and that's what made me start booking at a really young age because it was I was just watching so many talented people not get booked because it was actually a popularity contest. It's always been a clicky thing. Yeah, it's always been a networking thing. I mean, I was talking to Ash Roy about it today. Mm-hmm. It was like he knows amazing producers who don't get booked because they just they write tunes and they don't get out there and network. Yeah, which is bullshit. So it's like. It was just this thing where I was like, well, fuck it. I, you know, I, I, I have the know-how. I know enough about the industry. I know, and, you know, I don't have enough of a, you know, understanding of how to put on parties and promote and do, the, do whatever it is I have to do to fucking get the bookings. Mm-hmm. And it was all about getting the bookings. Yep. And, yeah, and to also book myself, you know, yeah. which, which is bullshit because I shouldn't have to book myself. Yeah. Uh, and no one, not many people do book me. I mean, a lot of local parties book me, but... Mm-hmm. No, the other cocksuckers do. No, you can edit that out. But like, <laughs> uh, but like, but which is bullshit because like, you know, like I've 
done a lot for the scene. I, I work pretty hard and, you know, and, and I write tunes and, and I DJ well and, you know, and sometimes that's not even enough. Yeah. So I really feel for, for an artist up and coming, uh, somebody who just is passionate about their music, trying to fucking get a crack at it because mm. it's, it's fucking so tough. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's where you kind of have to have... Like ones that are successful, though, do have a little bit of a chip on the shoulder because it keeps them driven. Hundred percent. Yeah. Like, mate, like jaded is a very common thing, you know. Like, I, I mean, I've gone through like massive, massive, um, you know, uh, kind of like uh, periods of my life and my career where it was I was jaded as fuck and like and hitting like really fucking, you know low points of depression and having mm. to work through it and, and like find that yeah. confidence to come back because like artists are all artists are in their head yeah you know all of them like that's why they're artists that's yeah why, that's why whether they're, it's a painter or a why dj they, that's yeah. why they're creative because that's the it's their outlet is yeah. art is the outlet of getting out of your head mm. you know so that's where you just need to find the fire in your belly and get yeah relighten it so, so it's really hard so so when um so yeah so the booking process i mean like it's really about finding who I think is just fucking amazing and, mm-hmm. and awesome. And, and like, I have a pretty, pretty uh, big roster and, and it's hard to mm-hmm. get in there, yeah. uh, f- you know, like because it, it, a lot of it is loyalties and a lot of it is just who, who, who are the best producers. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there, there's not many and there's a lot of up and coming that are awesome, but... Yeah. You know, you're competing with like when it comes to my roster. These are people that yeah. like I kind of founded my parties with. Yeah. So you know, like we've been in it together for a very long time, like 15 years. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Do you and, want to um, quickly rattle off? I guess some of the the labels or the the groups or the yeah, like the, like teams the thank that, you cities and stuff. Yeah. You know, like and uh, you know, just like my organic audio kind of residents, uh, like you know, like Tal is a DJ. I mean, like Ooh. you know. He's just an unbelievable DJ. He just plays all my parties. Like, yeah. and, and how can you not book him? And sometimes I'm like, you know, fuck it. There's a slot there that I could free up and give someone else a crack. Yeah. But it's like, you know, who's better than Tal? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and it comes so so it it comes down to to music. Uh, and you know, and Tal 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 and I like, you know, we we've, we've got a long history and, uh, you know, it, we are we are mates, but it, it has yep. nothing to do with that. To his why. Yeah. Someone um, like him plays, you know? Here we go. Yeah. Radio yeah, like, 2011, there's you know? a picture of you and Tal. you got the mixed messages top on there. Yeah, I mean, we've been in it from the very start. That's a mixed messages T-shirt. That's our very first parties. But, you know, we've had our ups and downs in our friendship. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, like, uh, it, it doesn't, professionally, it doesn't change a thing. Like, he's yeah. a really fucking good DJ. Yep. It doesn't matter what's going on with between us. Yeah. He gets books because he's fucking good. Yeah. Uh, but I always try to have a veteran, mm-hmm. uh, you know, somebody who's, yeah, just fucking been in it for the long slog is just awesome. Mm. I always give someone a set because of a mix CD. Okay, uh, I listen to everyone's mixes. If, if anyone sends me anything, I always listen, and that's not a fucking easy job either. No, and and I really you're about I, to get absolutely bombarded after this podcast. Then <laughs> yeah, no, it's fucking and listen and don't send me it if if it sucks because it's yeah. you're putting me in a bad fucking spot. <laughs> like you're putting me in a bad spot. I'd yeah. like I'm a uh, like you know I can, I'm a pretty empathetic guy and and it's hard like when someone sends me something that just isn't ready. Do you know mm. what I mean? And and like I'll, I'll always get back with constructive criticism, but it's like 
you know, it, yeah, like I'm kind of getting to a point in my career now where I am older and stuff, and, and I do I do just want people to send me stuff when when they yeah. know yeah. that they're there, they're, so they're at that level. So if because like me, me as an artist, I never wasted anyone's fucking time when I yeah. wasn't ready. Do you know, I was like um, DJing from 18 years old. Yeah. I didn't tell anyone I was a DJ until I was 21. Yeah, right. You know, I just watched and listened and just did my time and then yeah. and put, a, put a mix CD out and, got, and book, booked on the basis mm. of that. And, so, you know... So yeah. if I was to, or anyone listening is recorded, let's say I've got a 90-minute set, Yeah. all of it is crisp, spot on, the sound that they want to put out there, everything's perfect, but there's one mix at, let's say, the 60-minute mark that's just not quite right. Is that something you no, think they should re-record no, or um, go in and fix? No, that's Because it's fine. nice to keep Look, it human, right? No, you've got to yeah. keep it human. Like, yep. I'm all about that shit. No, no, it's, yep. just, uh, it's, it's just more about you yeah, just knowing when you've got something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and knowing where you fit in. Yep. You know, like a lot of DJs will just, a, a lot of people will submit music that is peak time music and it's like, well, who are you competing with? Yep. Because, like, you, you, you're going up against the guys that are the best at what they do. That's why they've got those peak time slots. Now, look, you know, a good example of this is Liam Seeker played... Um, on, on, the sun, on the Sunday morning. And he, he's been submitting me peak time stuff for ages. And I was like, yeah. look, listen, you're not going to get that slot, but I'm yeah. going to put you in an early slot. Mm-hmm. Let's see what you do with that. Yeah, right. He rocked up and played a fucking live set and fucking morning yeah. set time and yeah. played to the time. And I was like, real artist. Yeah, true. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And, and then that's the kind of curveball oh, that, that, that I'll give an artist, you mm-hmm. know, like instead of just saying, no, you're not going to play because, yeah. you know. I don't have the slot for you. I was like, well, yeah. I do have a slot, but it's this time. Let's see what you do and yeah. challenge them and see if they come through. And, yeah. then, and that's how you know. You know, that's how you know. And um, that's one thing that um, I think Nanoplex touched on as well. We know he didn't know Julian about how knowing knowing your place in the night where if just because you're booked to, at 10 o'clock doesn't mean you should play like you're on at 2 o'clock to a room yeah, with 2,000 yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, yeah. and I guess that shows the... The flexibility of a, of a good artist. Yeah, and usually if I like an artist, but I, I can't, I can't help them with a certain set time. I, I usually say, "Show me other sounds," and, yeah. and if they can throw me like two or three other sounds that yep. are pretty good, then I know there's somebody to keep an eye on. Yeah, and that's yeah, why I mean, something... everyone. I mean, I have three sounds. Yeah, you don't hear them all because I kept getting booked for this bush mm-hmm. techno peak time. Yeah, but what are your other sounds? I have so. Like when I have the time to put into the studio, there'll be Swamp Creatures, which yeah. w- which was the inspiration. The name of the stage came from an alias. So I was always gonna. Mm-hmm. I just need to come up with a name for the stage. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, Swamp Creatures is uh, this dirty bird, future house sound. Yeah. And then and on I on mean uh, on a project, which is mm-hmm. my daughter's last name. Yeah. Because Musk is my last name. Is uh just deep as fuck. Like mm-hmm. it's it's that acid poorly. Yeah. Nicholas Jar stuff. You yeah, know. Sure. And I've got heaps of it. I've got yeah. more of that shit than I do of. Of Bush Techno stuff. Well, yep. Bush Techno stuff's hard to find. Should we play Guess That yeah. Tune now or save it for a bit later? What's that? I've got a little... Uh, well, uh, okay, well, let's let's test on how good you are on your own tunes. Yeah. Okay, we've got a little segment we play called Guess the Tune, um, which you would have heard because you've listened to our previous podcasts, yeah. called Guess That Tune. So I've got four tunes and we're going to see how good you are um, as a DJ and what your ears like. So let's start with the first one. This... Yes. Are you being serious? My tune. <laughs> is that a joke? <laughs> okay. What tune is it? Dirty Dishes. Dirty Dishes? Yeah. Very good. So, so this is um this is where we want to obviously give people a bit of an idea of, of what you're about. So I figured I'd get one of yours in there early. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's so my naming my own tunes. Maybe not. Oh, this is my Atlas bootleg. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what's it? So what's this one in? This is an Atlas bootleg. That's yep. a bootleg of yep. Atlas uh, with another track over the top. Which is Bodson. 
Yeah, bottles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what, what's it like making the doing a bootleg? I guess how's that different? Just because you don't have the well, original stems. No, 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 no. Like, and you want to press pause? Like, like a boot, a bootleg. Look, look, man. When someone sends me a fucking track and they call it a re- remix when it's a bootleg, yeah. they go into my naughty file. What's the difference? Like, What's the difference? Well, bootlegs just like you just you're just grabbing an already existing tune and, yeah. and you're changing it up. Whereas a remix, you have the stems. You, yeah, you have the stems. Yeah. Like it's an official professional thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Don't fucking call it a remix. <laughs> asked by the artist to yeah. remix. Oh, well, this is a nice. Otherwise, it's a bootlegs. Nice, smooth, sexy yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, next one. Oh, so this is cool. So this I, I wrote this when I was 19. Right. Yeah, and I just only recently found the stems and finished it. And What's I, it called? I played it esoteric. Shutter speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is nice. It's a nice track. It is very nice. Yeah. Um, so I played it esoteric and, and yeah, it comes got teary, which was really nice to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, this, is, this was written on Reason. Mm-hmm. One of the one of like the third tracks I ever wrote. Yeah. Ever wrote from a real young age. We got one more, which and then Casey Taylor, like uh, we got it into his studio and just made cleaned cleaned it up, made it sound fat. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, and the last one should start in about three seconds because I went to a lot of effort um, in putting all these together. Cutting them up. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, it's nice. Yeah, so like writing writing music is it's it's not so much writing music for me. It's more of a journal entry. Yep. So every every track has a story. What's the story behind this one? Drug addiction. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? Agama. Yeah. So like no, no, it's, it's not just it, it's not just drug addiction. It it's um it's also mental health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, like I uh yeah. So every every track for me is 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 a journal entry, and at, at this point in my life. I was dealing with a f- just fucking a forever build-up of just spiritual confusion. Yep. Like, there's so many religions, there's so many gurus, there's so many cults, there's mm-hmm. your government, there's systems, there's just every society in general that's just, you know, confusing the fuck out of us. Yep. Uh, misguiding us to us how to actually grow and mm-hmm. be the best human that you can possibly be and and you know I, I at this point in my life I was just self-medicating uh, with ketamine and just trying to work it out and uh, doing a lot of meditation mm-hmm. um, which was working until it stopped working and then it went the other way and turned into addiction and this kind of tune came out it was just my head just absolutely just Fucking overanalyzing everything, and and I just didn't want to talk about religion anymore. Yep. And dirty dishes on the same EP followed that, and that was me like snapping out of it, realizing, hey, like I have a daughter. So how, I can't how, go. I can't go down this path. And dirty how long ago was this? About dirty dishes, about cleaning the dishes. Yep. Cleaning act up. Yep. Getting fucking straight. So when did you make this? Both available. This, Both dirty dishes and Agamar available. So this was like. Three or so years ago, yeah. uh, just before What's that, but- those bullshit drug charges were put on me. And yep. for anyone listening, I, I kind of wanted to touch on this anyway. Um, yeah, which we will we will get to that shortly. Yeah, well, this is around the same time. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. What's what's that vocal from? 
I don't know, I just found it by luck. Oh, because I think Joel Kino fucking gave me a sample pack and it was in there for Mood Machine. Yeah, cool. It was just in there. I was like, oh, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> sweet. Um, all right, well, you started to take us back a little bit. Yeah. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to touch on with the creating your night with your artists? All good? Yeah, so, like, look, and look, the programming side of things. Uh, yeah, and look, and I, I really lean towards produ- producers. Producers get on my lineup at the end of the day. Producers get priority over everyone, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, and 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 that's it. And I always try and find some up and comers, and I always try to like. I really know all of my artists intimately. Like we actually, I yep. listen to all their shit. I talk to them about their sets. I talk about the spots that I put them in. You know, like Timus this year, we 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 you know we got deep about. You know, he's set time and, and what mm-hmm. I wanted from him and, and he thinks about what I want from him and, and, yep. and he nails it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like, um, and I've known Timmy since he was like 16. I was sneaking him into clubs to play yeah. gigs, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, yeah, and like, so I know where to program these people. I know, I have a pretty good understanding of what they're going to do and, I, yep. and and that's the fun part. That's like the composition. That's like the part of being the conductor, yep. you know, with the with the orchestra and I really pride myself on that and it's a, it's a, it's something that I don't see many festivals nail yeah. and it's a job that I really fucking want to, always wanted to do and, yep. I, and I would love to just, <laughs> I'd love to do it for everyone. I'd, yeah. lo- I'd, love, I'd love for festivals just to go, this is our lineup, program yeah. it. Yeah. I, think, I think I do an awesome job. I yep. think I do do an awesome job and I'm really, really... Really proud of it, and yeah, it is all about energy, emotion. It's about sounds. It's about yep. you know the ride yep. that it's going to take so, the crowd on. And I think at Esoteric, uh, it was pretty good proof of yeah, spot on. what happens yep. when you nail that. So <laughs> you know? The ride with Agamar, sorry, just goes back yeah. a bit. But there's a part in there that we heard. It sounds like someone's just got a bottle against an old tin fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how did you make that? That's the sound of like when you do. Too much cave. Like. <laughs> 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 DMT sound. <laughs> um, so no, no, I can't. I can't tell you. Like, like that's the thought you have, yep. and then the sound finds you. Yep. It's this weird fucking. It's this weird thing, and and you know, and I don't remember how it ever happens. I don't mm-hmm. remember how I write music. I know yep. it's like a meditative process of just ideas, and then this relationship with technology yep. that like is this synchronicity of like. It just falling into place. I can't tell you how I do it. Yeah, like, which that's a kind of what makes Doof so great, isn't it? Yeah, it's the old school, old values, like yeah. kind of away from all technology with yeah. the most modern technological yeah. equipment to make the music. I can I can tell you how I organize my sample. I can organize my sounds and do my sound design, and I yep. get ready, you yeah. know, to and have a basic like all the kicks and the hats all ready to go, and then yeah. I can tell you how I process it at the end, and then go through and do my effects racks and yeah. do my busting and stuff. But that composition part, yep. that part of like the creative thing that happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck goes on in so, <laughs> you know, like, you know, well, It's each, just, it's always just extraterrestrial, you know? Each, each of those tracks can be found on Musk's SoundCloud, Musker, M-U-S-K-A. Mm-hmm. Um, also the full version's available on Beatport mm-hmm. um, for purchase. We'll have a quick break and then we'll delve into, I guess, those, um, those shitty jug charges and also what brought you to Melbourne. How's that mm. sound? Yeah, cool. Cool. Please excuse this break in transmission as we take a quick break to mention the upcoming organic audio black and white party. Trust us, this is going to be a big one. April 12th, we've just heard Musk mention it. He's going to tell us a bit more about it later on. But organic audio is back 
100% organic artist showcase at Brown Alley, including Muska all night long. We've also got Luke Vecchio all night long in the side room with Dryden doing the warm-up set before Muska jumps on board. This is going to be a great night. The dress code is simple, black and white, or just black, or just white. Early bird tickets are still on sale. This one will sell out. There's only limited room due to all the uh, awesome decor and uh, art that's going to be shown around the venue on the night. April 12th, Organic Audio, Brown Alley. What more fun could you ask for? Now back to the mastermind behind it all. Oh, actually, we should also give, out the, give a shout out to uh, Chia and Damon, the stage designer and the creative director. They're also going to be behind this. Uh, massive organic audio, black and white party, the decor music showcase, Brown Alley, on April 12th. Back to the wisdom of Mr. Musker. <laughs> so we mentioned Ash Roy at Circus um, and the organic audio and Phil K parties coming up. You've been around Melbourne clubs and parties for what? 10, 15 years? How long? 15 more. Yeah. So you're originally from Perth? Yep. And you did go to Mandurah, right? Yeah. But you didn't go to South Park or Beverly Hills? Because that, that's what your Facebook yeah. says. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just stupid. Yeah, very funny. Um, so I guess um, describe a little bit about your childhood and also how did you end up in Melbourne? Um, yeah, look, I guess, well, I guess my childhood is like um, – Look, like there's there's awesome aspects of it. Like we had we had a uh, a lot of cousins and stuff, and um, you know the school holidays at my nana's farm and stuff were always awesome. What did she farm? Huh? What did she farm? Oh, they were shearers. Yep. Yeah, so sheep. My granddad was a shearer. So uh, we also trained racehorses. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So when you say you're like from Perth, was it like inner city Perth or kind of more like you actually yourself well, lived? We lived, in, we lived in Perth, like Dinella, up until I was twelve, and then we moved to Mandra, which was yep, not a country town, but it was yeah. Developing, um, but what's the population but outside of Mandra? Yeah, uh, it's really close to like your country, yeah, country towns, and sure, like super close, um, yeah. And that's where my nana and all yep. that lived. Um, so we've got a picture from the show and tell there. <laughs> that's my little brother. Yep. So, um, another question I was asked, uh, suggested, which I was going to just drop on you, but um, how many muskers are allowed south of the border? So, like, my brother's here, yep, he works at Storyville, uh, mm -hmm. he's, he's in a similar kind of industry uh it's like promotions and marketing and stuff yeah yeah my little sister's here and she's um fucking amazing classically trained musician amazing voice amazing on the piano what's her name anita shout friend. out to anita she's on a couple of tracks that i've done in the past we used to perform together quite a lot mm -hmm. she was like huge in theater um when she was younger yeah um so who was the first one to she's move married out now to daniel so, yeah oh. so sorry does she so she lives in melbourne you said yes yeah, she lives in yeah. Melbourne. so who was the first one to move to melbourne out of your family, or did you all I think come it was together? actually my brother came first. Oh, no, yeah. no, I, I came. I came when I was like eighteen, straight after, straight out of school. I yep. was like boom, on a plane, straight mm -hmm. to Melbourne, and and stayed here for a year. Then then went home, mm -hmm. and then kind of like got resettled and got a job and saved some yep. money to make the permanent move. Yep. And I think my brother shot over just before me. Sure. So do you still have family back in the Mandra area? Yeah, like my whole family. Yeah. I don't have any, uh, any other family here really? Okay. Um, yeah. And then um, my little sister came later after mm -hmm. a lot of convincing. Yep. And my mum's going to move next year. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, we, yep. we were just like, what are you doing over there? We're, sure. we're not coming home. Yeah. Um, um, do you still speak to and your I have a half, or I have a half sister. Yep. Uh, 
that's 12 okay. in, in Perth, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, do you still speak to your father or is he still alive? Yeah, yeah, he's just over here. Yeah, Yeah, cool. yeah, we've got a good good relationship now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah. yeah. We um we did not have an easy upbringing. Like, mm-hmm. we lived in, in really fucking shitty neighbourhoods. Yeah. Uh, it was like I lived in a kind of like an Aboriginal commission kind of area and I am have really close Aboriginal friends, Ashley Wedding, shout out, like, who are yep. fucking amazing and I saw such a beautiful side of the Aboriginal culture but unfortunately like kind of what's been done to them like mm-hmm. with the way that we have just invaded this country and just pushed their whole culture aside yep. has created serious fucking problems yeah and um it and it's it's hectic it's sure. really fucking hectic and it's really violent and, yep. and everyone's from violent homes and um it's it's a survival game yeah so what's and, what nationality is Muska? Is that Italian? That's Italian. That's yep. my dad's side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, his side's pretty fiery too. So, you know, um, we all definitely, uh, we, we had enough, we had a, definitely had enough, um, you, know, uh, mm-hmm. la- you know, lack of fear to fit in yep. into our environment. You know, we were definitely rough enough to, so did, to, to rock out with the best. Yep. So the did, best. Music, <laughs> you know, like, did music uh, become an outlet for you then there or, might, or once you moved to Melbourne? Like when... Yeah, it was yep. definitely a fucking let's get the fuck out of here yep. thing. You so know? did you like, DJ like, back in WA? Yeah, I, so I came to Melbourne when I was 18. I discovered fucking pingers and trance and fucking... And <laughs> I just like... And I, and I found this whole new way of communicating. And that's the beautiful thing about drugs. And, you know, that's why they should be legalised and that's why they should be researched and that's why they should be approached differently to as how, you know, the, mm. the government's, you know currently have this viewpoint of them uh, because they do help. They help me immensely. Mm -hmm. I was a pimped up fucking psychopath uh, Mm -hmm. when I, when I was a teenager. Yeah. And next thing like, you know, music and and a little bit of MDMA and I'm connecting with people who are just as fucked up as me and we're, and we're talking for the first time ever. And, you know, we're, we're letting it all out and and we're feeling like we're not alone and there's this connection and, and it comes with the music and it's Fucking beautiful. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, it, and it, that was it, mate. I went from, a, you know, like from anger to love mm-hmm. like that. And I've heard so many stories so of, the of people of, who have experienced the same thing, yep. you know. What type and of music? That, that, and that was it, man. I just was like, I want to be a fucking DJ. I yep. want to make music. I want to, this is, this is it. This is, yeah. this, is, this is the path. And I, like, I always knew from a real young age that I was going to do something great. I don't know if like every kid... Yeah. Things like that, uh, but you know, I was. Oh, I, yeah, you know, I, I, I know what you mean. I just don't know what the greatness is going to be. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like a lot of. I think a lot of parents tell their kids they're going to do something great. You know, and they, they don't. They don't realistically tell their kids that you know the yeah. world's actually like fucking mm-hmm. going to smash you around. Um, but no, I used to have like like you know crazy dreams about you know you know saving the world and shit because, like, you know, I've, I've always kind of just understood that, you know, the, the system is is pretty fucked and music was, uh, when I found music, it just all made sense. It was like, okay, this is the this is the platform, this is the catalyst to change the world. What was your thing? What was your first you know? CD? Oh, man, like, it was actually Jason Midrow, Hard Energy. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when you got that? 18, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. like, um... Like, what sort of – did you listen to much music, like have a specific taste when you were an early teenager? I was, like, I was thrown straight into the hard energy and, yeah. like, the, the bass station and Dome Nightclub and, like, yeah, okay. teriyaki and uh, – teriyaki is techno, but, like, um, bubble and all this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I was here for a year and then I went back to Perth and then it was all drum and bass. Because yeah. I got back to, drum, like, Perth and I was like, okay, where's, where's the rave parties at? Yeah. And it, but, like, I had no idea that – my cousin just got into it at the same time. His name's Glenn, a producer mm-hmm. by the name of Distortion. 
yep. he had just found breakbeats. So I was like, dude, like fucking, you know, electronic music. He's like, yeah, dude, check this shit out. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> when I saw like Adam Freeland play, you know, like, and like, you know, that We Want Your Soul, that track first time, like fucking out, like just, just like, re- like before it's released to hearing that tune, I was like, what the fuck? So I was like straight into drum and bass after that. I actually, that, three years of my life just went down the drum and bass and break so beat rabbit around, hole. around 2001-ish time? Yeah. 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 So finished school 2000, 2001, yeah. yeah cool. 2002, yeah. And then, and then, um, and then I finally got my decks. And around the time I got my decks, I met this mate Toby. He was into the four four. I'd been to Melbourne, so we connected on that level. He had decks. I used to watch him DJ. Would never let me touch the decks, and I, I just fucking went crazy. I just needed to get a pair of turntables. Finally got them. Started collecting tunes, and I was collecting drum and bass and breakbeat. But I was after all these drum and bass gigs I was going to, we'd get home and, and they'd just be fucking rinsing the drum and bass. I was like, I just couldn't listen to it anymore. I was like, mm-hmm. it's like 7 a.m. We've got to listen to something different. And <laughs> so I was just like, fuck this, man. I just started collecting all the 4-4. Four, four. Yep. And just was like, all right, like, you know, we're listening <laughs> to this now. Give me two hours, cunts. And I go, like, all right, must have been put on these shitty fucking 4-4 four, four so crap. you had CDs or you know? <laughs> No, vinyl, bro. Yeah, yeah, all records, dude. Yep. Like up until 2007, it was all, all records. Now... From the 4-4 to and from Perth and Melbourne. Please explain your first experience at Revolver. Yeah, so that, and, that's, that's where this is all heading. And, yeah. what, and how was your life in the months leading up to that? Yeah, so like, so when I was coming out of the whole drum bass thing, collecting the 4-4 vinyls and stuff, because I was coming from the breakbeat, the natural progression was actually to go towards electro. Right. Like I loved progressive and I, and I had those records. I had all types of records. I was collecting all types of music. But the stuff that I started really throffing on was this electro because it was like brand new. It was like this old school boys noise stuff and Jesse Rose and like, you know, all these types of guys and Switch at the time. And I just never heard anything like it. It was this whole new sound. And um, and as a producer and as as some still to this very day, I always can't help but like get excited about a new style of music. And that's why I, I have such a broad kind of uh, respect for all types of sounds. Like even the Future House stuff coming out at the moment, I like it because it's new. I'll be sick of it in a year or two. No, you but probably right now, probably dub into my but right now I like it <laughs> only because it's a new production technique. It's new sounds. It's, yep. it's new. It's new synths. Do you know what I mean? And um and I so I so just as I started playing this electro stuff, I got a gig at a Cottesloe hotel, and I played this one gig. And, yeah, yeah, like I was just I just winged it. I don't even know how how I got up there. It was just there was no DJ around. I had records, and I got on there. And then this this manager comes up to me. He's like, mate, yeah, if you like this electro shit, mate, you got to go to fucking Melbourne. You got to go to Revolver. You got to listen to Boogs. And like the minute, <laughs> the minute he said that, man, I don't know. It was like getting hit by lightning, yeah. and I was like. This is the window. This is the answer. This is the universe. This is the universe talking to me. And I never, I never ignore those moments. Those moments, like the whole like shivers up the spine. Yeah. You ignore them, and you you miss the window. I just say, I know, like you listen to those, right? And if you listen to them and you continuously listen to them, everything yeah. fucking everything takes you down the path, you know. Yeah. Quick, quick side point here. My friend Joel Kieran is uh, he's the one who first said to me, "You've got to go to Revs. You'll love it." He got married on the weekend, so I just wanted to congratulate Joel and Caitlin on their uh, wedding. So uh, thanks uh, for introducing uh, me to Revolver, Joel. Yeah, um, nice. We've got a picture of you here um, at Revolver in two thousand and seven with Tal. Yeah. Um, which is picture number seven for and those following on the website. There. And that were the days you could never play at Revs. You yep. could never get a gig, yep. ever. So how'd that come about? Or, nah, or, so, or, or so, we jump too far ahead here? No, nah, no. Nah, so, so I'm like straight on a plane. Like my girlfriend at the time, she wanted to go to Melbourne anyway. She took off three months before me and I was like, I'm coming. 
I fucking got on a plane, came over here, and um, I, li- I lined up for six weeks in a row Mm-hmm. At 7 a.m., 6 a.m. in the morning, whatever it was, and I didn't get in. I'd make myself up to the way, all the way up to the front of the line and just get knocked back. So, where each were you time. living? Just in Turak. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because my girlfriend at the time, Lydia, Lydia, yep. she, got, my, she got a she got a room, uh, she got a house there already, so I just yep. was able to just quite just. It's nice. Was Milo on the door back then? No. <laughs> no, no, man. Back then, I was a fucking gangster security, mate. It was all gangster shit. It was fucking crazy. Yep. Um, but like, so, what year are we talking? <laughs> I'm not saying Milo's not a gangster. I'm just saying it was like, <laughs> um, it was just like uh, so. Is this like well, this picture we've got is 2007, but I'm assuming you've got in then. So mm. what, this must be like 2004 ish. Yeah, did you more move back? 2004. So like, yeah. I, so I got knocked back, and then like I finally they they just see me rock up six weeks in a row. They're like, all right, you're on your own. Go in. Yeah, and I just. I was in there and it, it blew my fucking mind and yeah. was just playing his, you know, it? Tiga before anyone had heard of it and, you know. Yeah. How's it like, changed in the last 15 years? Oh, dude, immensely. Like, you can't even compare. Yeah. Like, you know, back then was like every kind of, like, dude, like you had so many different types of society, mm-hmm. you know, and it was heavy. Yeah. And it was like dark but light. And I reckon love, we need to get a link on the podcast. You know? What do you and reckon? It was, and it was like, uh, yeah, dude, he's got great stories, man. Yeah. He's got great stories. Mm. Like, um, you know, it was fucking, there was like gangsters out there. There's people like in the room, same room together that should should not be in the same room together all getting along mm. because they want to get into Revolver next week. Yeah, right. Like, do you know what I mean? No, no one fucked up because mm. they didn't want to get barred. Mm-hmm. So everyone got along. And you couldn't get in. You couldn't get in unless it was on like street cred value. Do you yep. know what I mean? Because there was no social media. There's no promoters like that. You know, it was literally you, 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 you're somebody or you just, you know somebody or... You're just an, a unique, interesting individual, <laughs> yep. and and you and you and you get in, you know, and um and they're members, which were really fucking tight back then, but um yeah, after that I never got in again. I was like struggling to get in. I was like, fuck this, man, I need to get a job. Like, yeah. That's how I'm going to get in there. And then just yeah. by chat, just by the universe and, and synchronicity, I got a job at the SB. Met this girl, and she was like, I live with the manager. Rebecca, I was like, dude, can you introduce me? Mm-hmm. Met Beck. Yeah, she was like, yeah, you're cool. You can have a job. But next thing I'm a bussy. At Revs. Uh, yeah, at Revs. I didn't tell anyone I was a DJ. Stayed off the drive, stayed clean, just yep. kept my fucking head down. Yep. Worked out who's who. Yeah. Uh, you know, which was a really smart thing to do. And I, I, I let a lot of people treat me like shit because when you're bussy, you get to know the true nature of people. Yeah, sure. And, um, and yeah, and I, we had a like a really kind of like dominating shitty manager at the time. And he was used to treat us a bit like crap. And one day I just had enough and kind of like, you know, cranked mm. it at him on behalf of all the staff, told him to go fuck himself, I'm knocking yeah. you out kind of thing. And everyone was like, you're a sick cunt. And, like, <laughs> and, like, and I got barred and, like, and, Link, and Link was like, look, Masco, I have to buy you for three months, but, yeah, you're welcome back as soon as that time's over. And I was like, yeah, sick. And I, after my shift, I used to go sit down on the sub and I just watch Bulls play. Yep. So, so Link was working there back then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, after each shift, I'd go sit down on that sub and I'd just watch Bulls play. Just watch him. Just watch how he plays. Just fucking yep. learn. Just watch, 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 learn, learn, learn. I was like, I'm sitting yep. here until this fucking cunt knows who I am. Yep. So that's and next I'm to the fucking, cage. You know, and I'd just be fucking losing it. Yep. And yeah, and like. Um, so that cage set up's the same. No, it was no cage. It was a bull bar. Oh. It was like a, <laughs> right. a, a, like a bull bar, like a yep. fucking car. Yeah, like a big fucking yep. Ford, you know, 250 type bull bar, you know, <laughs> like. And um, what a truck bull bar. I don't know. It was huge. But like. Um, yeah, and I was just like, I'm, you know, Boog's like was a fucking ghost man. He used to yeah. come in there, head down, play, get out. Like yeah. no one knew this guy. Like, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It was like literally a ghost. Only per, yeah. only friend he had in the world was Mike Toner. Yeah. And he worked at like like as far as 
we all knew. And like he worked at DMs uh, at Central Station Records, and uh, like you, like books would be in the back of the store. Actually, his book about Central Station. Yeah, 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 he'd be in the back of the store ordering all the vinyl, and like yep. all the DJs would go down there. And we'd like buy our records. We know books is back there. We know that he he orders all the fucking sick records. We could yep. never fucking get anywhere close to the guy. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And um, I was just yeah, and I was just like I just knew that one day I was going to be mates with this guy. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, after I finished up working there, I had this house party when I was living on Chapel Street at this stage and fucking my friend Kylie Hardcore, who's, like, we used to go to res with, just a sick bitch, like, just crazy, crazy, crazy fucking beautiful woman. <laughs> uh, she made friends with him. Tom that's that's how, I think that's how you describe every girl at res. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you can't, you can't beat, can't top Kylie Hardcore. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people will tell you that. But, um, and, uh, yeah, like, uh, she just, she was very predominant, person back in the scene of connecting people together mm-hmm. just for the love of it and um we were at fucking home having an after party as we do fucking books walks through the door and like um I was like, what the fuck <laughs> books is here <laughs> and i had just been practicing this fucking mix like yeah. for like a good fucking few weeks the like, confidence levels were high real fucking like technical like mishmash of like three decks doing crazy juggling shit yeah and I was like, oh, this is perfect, Tommy. Yeah. And I just like did all this crazy juggling shit and just nailed this mix. And I saw him, he was like, oh, fucking, mm. this is all right. <laughs> like, and then I was like, as soon as I finished that mix, I was like, I'm happy to get off tiles on. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like I had my moment of yeah, like, I'm going to fuck it if I don't get off now. Yeah. And then uh, and then he hanged around for a bit. Uh, we smashed it together for a little bit and then he was, boom, like a ghost out the door. And then next thing, like two weeks later, Sunshine comes up to me because she was dating books at the time. She's like, oh, yeah, Books said over your house and he said that you guys are pretty cool and he hasn't really connected with people in the Ooh. industry for a long time and he wants yep. to meet. I was like, fuck off. Yeah. And like, like, um, look, we, we were putting on parties uh, prior to the, uh, we, we started putting on pro- parties yep. around the same time and we, had, was, who, we who, had booked books. Who was we? Uh, me and this uh, kid called Shane Tavish and yep. Tal mm-hmm. called Mixed Messages. Yep. And we had been booking so books, but it's not like you, yeah. we could get a word out of him. It's not like you could even approach him. I was like yeah. shit scared and shy as fuck, you know. Yeah. Like that's, I think that's the difference between back then and today. Like you were always too shy to fucking talk to people. Today everyone's yeah. got, everyone's just fucking all in your face. Like, I, don't yeah. know. <laughs> I was like so super confident. I don't know where it comes from. Yeah, probably because everyone knows each other's face from social media. Mm, probably, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but this is like kind of when it all, all kind of first connected. And then, like, Bulls just became a resident at our parties. He'd, he'd like, hang out with us. He'd, he was playing for Dirt Cheap for us just to, yeah. so what help, venue? Mix, to help mix messages work. Oh, we did, we did this Hawthorne venue for a while. And um, then we moved to Corova with the first crew at Corova Milk Bar. Yeah, cool. And we, we were kind of, like, the crew that got that place up and running. Was that a Saturday night thing or Friday or? I can't remember. Both? Probably. Yeah. No, I think we were Friday. Yeah. I think we were always Friday. Mm-hmm. Then um, Bulls was like, look, you know, come over to TFU. Mm-hmm. And we went, we went over to TFU in its heyday. Yeah. Connected with Jason Colbeck. Yep. God bless him. Mm-hmm. Sick as cunt. Mm-hmm. So crazy. That cunt's so crazy. I love him. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and that was it. That was kind of like the story. And, and, and look, and like um, Boog, Tal was uh, like Boogs' filling guy at Revs. If, if, yep. if Boogs couldn't play a set, he kind of called Tal. Yeah. And so like when I got over here and I was working at Revs, I was like, you know, you, you just never see anyone other than Boog's space in T-Rex touch yeah. the decks. It just, it just no one else touched it unless yeah. it was Ranson or, you know, that inner circle, Mike Toner. Yeah. Except for fucking every now and then when Boog's didn't rock up, which was very rarely, 
toll would come in. I was just like, who the fuck is this cunt? Yeah. We can't mm-hmm. with that cunt. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, became, became, yeah. yeah. I like, went out to Kylie, like, can you introduce me to that guy? Yeah, yeah if you're lucky type of thing. <laughs> and yeah, kind of became best friends. Yeah. just started putting on these parties, yeah. Cool. So we've, I guess we've delved pretty deep into Revolver. You've been involved with a lot of good parties from Electric Parade, Chihuahua Town. We've got your, one of your gig guides here with Rabbit's Eat Lettuce and um, Wide Open Spaces as well. But I guess how does that old, early, mid-2000s Melbourne sound, how does organic audio blend that into, into the modern day, the old and the new, I suppose? I like, I, I guess that with my music, I like to always kind of have, have an ele- element of keeping it fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, because that was really fun music. Um, I, don't, I don't delve too much into the novel type of techno. Yep. As fucking awesome as it is and as, and as popular as it is, mm-hmm. it's just a little bit too serious yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, so I like to keep it fun and, yep. and, and that is Melbourne club culture. Mm-hmm. And then I love Bushdorf music, which is like outdoor, organic sounding music and... Yeah. and, and Organic audio is definitely a fusion of those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we also don't really kind of like categorise ourselves into uh, any genre. Yep. Like uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do Glitch Hop, we'll do whatever, yep. we'll do uh, so Tech House, Techno, whatever. I guess in maybe a sentence or two, what is organic audio? Organic audio is local producers yep. and the local music. It's, it's, it's like I, I did so many international events with some of the world's biggest internationals. When I, I, I you look after that whole mixed messages TFU thing, yep. I, I was one of the f- uh, helped f- uh, was one of the very first bookers for Rock Parlor and uh, Candy Bar and a bunch of venues around Melbourne. And and mm. then Brown Alley picked me up and they were like, "We want you to come here and we yep. we want to give you um, a budget to do whatever the fuck you want to do." So was that and a weekly or a monthly thing? That you no, doing? I worked at Brown Alley as a, as a booker, oh, okay. uh, as an event manager for yep. seven for six years um, before Let The Me Cake. Um, so, and I pretty much went into Revolver uh, for a meeting. I uh, met the owner, Tolly Darkbeat, uh, Daniel Banco. Mm-hmm. He kind of, um, he kind of like scouted and found me. Found me. He yep. was like, tried to pull me across for a year or two. I was like trying to do my own thing, stay independent. Yeah. But um, then I saw the opportunity it was way too fucking good. I mean, they, they offered me literally, you know, their bank account to do whatever fucking parties that I wanted. And, um, you know, we're, we're talking about doing everything. Like we, we did Sven Vass to Paul Clackenbrenner to Fritz Clackenbrenner to like yeah. pretty much we were doing like Daniel Tumor and Mike Toner who Thick as Thieves and Novel. Yes. Before Thick as Thieves and before Novel existed, mm-hmm. they were agents and yeah. they toured they toured artists yeah. and, and they predominantly sold their acts to us. Sure. They, 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 they either sold it to me or they sold it to Dartbeat and yeah. there was a couple of other promoters around the time but predominantly we, we were the ones doing the shows. Cool. And, um, and we were doing them at Brown Alley yeah. and um, before us at Brown Alley was Sunny and, and Brown Alley was just this place that just like it supports – it supports the promoter. It supports mm-hmm. art, and like, and this is the thing, man. Like, everyone has their fucking, um, you know, two cents worth to throw in about Brown Alley, but yeah. what they don't know about it is that that venue alone has kept this scene alive, yeah. and it, it it has repeatedly backed promoters and artists yeah. for decades. I recently had Oliver Hunterman there, and um, yeah. whilst you might be more humble with your self promotion, I am not. I'm being booked to play there for the first time to support coming soon and four hundred twenty on Easter weekend. So everyone get down for that one. Awesome. Um, but we've also seen some awesome acts there lately, like Dinox, even Ghost Rider. That's but it's the old Colonial Hotel, which yeah. is predominantly bands. Yeah, it's, it is so, a great venue, and 
Um, so, yeah, we were doing like Hunterman and, and Dubfire and all these guys like fucking decade ago. Yeah. Um, and before before anyone knew it, and we, we were doing the hard slog. Like we, we were like struggling to get the numbers through the door because the scene wasn't big back then. It, was, it wasn't huge. Yep. So like it, was like, like it was huge. It was huge in the 90s with the, ra- the, the, the warehouse culture with hardware and that. Yep. But then they all commercialised. They all went stereosonic future entertainment. Yep. The whole thing went EDM. So was it all three levels always? Yeah, it's always been there. Yeah, it's three yeah. levels. Whole whole thing went EDM in in the early two thousands. Yeah, everyone who was like underground just yeah. turned their back on the scene and said, "Fuck this shit." Yeah. Scene went to crap, and it was like promoters like Dartbeat and myself and and Stable and a bunch of other guys that were, um, you know, Kevin Kalberg who were hanging around and yeah. uh, that just kept so pushing, so just Kev, kept that, just kept pushing it. Is that do you know? who does picnic now? Yeah, yeah, just kept pushing it, and um, and we, yeah, we we're just pushing it, and and everything just kind of went. You know, uh, all the acts went to us, and I even did big drum and bass plays. I mean, I did like chasing status and pendulum, and I did, actually I did like on sc- your when I was diving through your photos, Fred V and graphics. Yeah, and I remember coming down to that gig. That was one of the first gigs. Yeah, I came down to because I had a mate who was in the drum and bass. Yeah, and we only just started going to tramp, and we did the mate, double night. And I'm like, oh wow! That was every just, every you know, type of show you could think of, I did yeah. at Brown Alley over the six years I was working there um, with some of the biggest acts. Who and what are the biggest acts in the world now? Yeah. weren't weren't at the time, but are now. We're just like as a DJ, I just knew who to headhunt. Is there anyone that you are yet to book that you would like to? Not really. <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> perspective. Uh, oh, not, not, not in this As far as international look, go, yeah. look, this is the story. This is what happened. Like, I went into Brown Alley and like, and Tolly's like, you know, I want you to come work here. I want you to. You're a good promoter. And I told him, look, like, I don't really give a fuck about, you know, these international acts. I mean, I love their music and stuff, but I'm about booking my mates. Mm. You know, what I mean, I'm about doing a festival. Yep. I don't want to be in nightclubs for the rest of my life. By 2000, I'll come work for you, but by 2013, mm-hmm. we're going to start a festival. Yeah. And we're going to fucking take out summer days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I hate this EDM shit. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, whatever, whatever. He didn't really quite believe me yeah. how fucking serious I was. So, so I used to use Brown Alley as a, as a way to like book all these internationals and work with promoters and work with crews and, and, and build my networks and build my resources uh, to work towards this. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty much I, I, I was just working at Brown Alley to, you know, yeah, build build all those connections and then uh, it got to a point where I'd done like over 300 events, promoted and hosted and, you know, ran myself or co, co-ran or been involved either in as a booker or as a DJ, even more probably. Uh, and then I just turned around to tell you, I was like, right, you know, there's not much more I can do with the club. I mean, you know, he hasn't changed it up very much. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, so there's only so much you can make people go there. When, when you're a young promoter and, yep. um, you know, and before you rinse your crowd out and I was like, okay, now now it's time to do this festival. Yep. And he was like, no, I'm not doing a festival. I was like, well, fucking sick or whatever, man. I'm, so I, qu- I quit. So what was and the- I, like, I walked for two weeks and didn't pick up the phone every time he called. Yeah. And then I went, went back in there and I was like, listen, this is what we're going to do. This is, yep. I, I want to get. Yep. What's your like, relationship with him now? Like, Oh, mate, we're tight as. He's, hey, like, he's like my dad. Yeah. <laughs> he's like a second father. Yep. But like, um. That's that's why I'm doing the the event at Brown Alley. Yeah, just sure. next organic audio. Yep. But we'll get into that. But like, yeah. So I went back yep. there. I was like, listen, mate. This is why we're going to do this. Like, you know, yep. we need everyone to come together. Daniel Tumor's like, you know, saturating the club scene. Yeah. You know, uh, fucking Joey well, Poon's doing all these like wicked parties. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Strawberry Fields, who I wanted to include, bringing this boutique bamboo, like outdoor bush door vibe. Yep. You got me as a promoter. Uh, you had this dude Matt Bonner at the time who. I kind of co-found, uh, co-founded it with like a wanted him involved. 
mm-hmm. help me be organised and kind of direct. Zach Kustos from Chameleon yep. came here because he was pushing the whole Steve Ward kind of Chameleon sound yep. thing. Which we had a picture of Steve Ward there as well. I think yeah. that was uh, Rainbow there. Yeah. yeah. The and, then, and then Tolly, who was Brown Alley and who was the bank, and yeah. I was like, we all need to come together and we need to set the standard for, for one-day festivals. Yeah. Like, and, and it needs to be a boutique festival and, and no festival should exist unless it's of this this standard. Yep. And we started the first boutique day festival, which was a fusion of the bush doof culture and yeah. a day festival. Which was uh, called? Let the Me Cake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Kevin Kahlberg. So Kevin Kahlberg was a massive part. A massive all, part of the development of the first Let the Me Cake parties. Has that always been a New Year's Day party? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was all about taking out. Yep. Taking out summer days. Cool. <laughs> it was just so oh, shit. Like, but yes, uh, yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> well, another. Um, and you know, and it was it was a great success. And unfortunately, my role within that festival uh, didn't really continue on as much as I yep. would have liked, um, for whatever reasons are in the past. Sure. Um, although I'd like to think I would have made it even better. <laughs> but like, <laughs> um, but um, look. Uh, after that, I was I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put on these club shows anymore. I'm, I'm not yeah. really into doing the international things anymore. I, I, if it's if it's not a festival, I don't want to be involved, and unless it's an, it's a local party, yep. I don't want to do it. And I started Organic Audio, yeah. and, and it, so it was like go back to the roots. I had a bit of profile after that. Yeah. I had a lot a lot more like um, it's a good name too, Organic Audio. Yeah, and I had a lot more trust within the industry after that because like you know you can you can be definitely be seen as a shit talker in this industry, but until yeah. you kind of execute something. Like it's hard to get cunts behind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like after Cake, it was like, look, I turned around to all my producers, all my DJs, all my promoters. I was like, look, this is this is what we have to do now. We have to, um, you know, we we have to build the local scene up. Yep. Let the meat cake is 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 allowed this gap in the market for the club scene to free up because mm-hmm. like all these guys are now invested in this festival project and you know they're not gonna yeah. they're not gonna be doing like week in, week out shows around Melbourne. Yep. So there's heaps more bookings available at nightclubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and there's heaps more uh, opportunity to get yeah. local parties started. So yeah. I became a consultant. So mm-hmm. I went around and worked with local crews and local artists and got a lot of like local parties up and running and so started hell. booking parties into nightclubs and hey. started just working on the local scene. Mm-hmm. And then like Organic Audio became this one thing a year that everyone came together and ran yeah. one big party uh, together. So Organic Audio is, is a community-based kind of like yeah. uh, project. It's not, it's not just me. Like it's, you know, yeah. like I might have had the vision for it, but I definitely and not the mechanical parts of it. it mm-hmm. It's everyone. How, it always has been everyone. You mentioned being a consultant. How, how do you make money as a consultant? In the, well, I did for a year for, for free. Yeah. And like, and I just, I just let everyone know that like, look, I'm doing this and I'm yep. giving you free consultation. Yeah, and when but, I come to the gigs, just when get a couple of drink cards. Yeah, when it comes, <laughs> yeah, but when it comes to like, you know, things working, yep. yeah, if you can chuck me some kickbacks. Yeah. It works sometimes and it works, it, it mm-hmm. doesn't at other times. But look, I, I bounce between many roles yep. uh, to stay afloat, um, you know. Couple, I want to just touch on a couple of quick um, festivals and parties, which we won't dwell on too much, but a um, quick one here from some of the photos we looked at, photo number 11, um, Earthcore launch party there with Spiro um, and a couple of others, uh, which was 2014. Um, I guess what was your thoughts on, on Earthcore and, and the impact that, that it had on the scene? Yeah, like, uh, like Earthcore went, I, did, I actually didn't go to as many Earthcore Parties mm-hmm. as I did other doors. Yep. Like, um, yeah, like I, 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 I like Spiro. 
Yeah. I liked him. He was a funny cunt. <laughs> but I wasn't dumb enough to get too involved. Yeah. You know, um, I went to Earthcore. I mean, I saw Extra play at Earthcore for the first time. Yeah. I think it was around 2013 yeah. and it was fucking mind-blowing. And, like, I had some good raves, but yeah. I, I didn't get uh, I didn't get too involved. Well, it was, all, it was my first door food. It was also an hour from my hometown, so it always it's holds a special fun. place in my heart. It's good fun. Yeah. It was amazing. Um but yeah, I didn't, I didn't really work with Earthcore too much. I didn't yep. really work with Matreya too much, but they were festivals that I went yep. went to. Rainbow, um, Rainbow, I got pretty pretty involved in the earlier days, and yep. uh, kind of like really fucking inspired me on a huge fucking huge level. I think it's inspired a lot of people in lots of assets uh, yeah. aspects of their life. Yep. Um, wide open. What's wide open space? Oh, look, like I only played that that one year, and this this is yep. about the time. So that's that, essential Australia. This is kind of about the time that my kind of life came undone. Yep. Um, so okay, those, well, uh, but like, look, wide open space is actually one of the best ones to be. Like, yep. it's a, it's 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 a really a cultural festival. It's about families. It's about Aboriginal culture and music. It's. Mm-hmm. Um, Really about sustainability, environmental impact. It's their workshops are just off the hook, and they are what they preach. Yeah. Um, if you want to have a spiritually awakening experience for real, mm-hmm. not marketed as one. Yep. But is one. Yep. Wide open spaces is it? How many people? Small man. It's like I know, yep. like three thousand or so. I reckon. Like, mm-hmm. but it's like, dude, you will never hear more indigenous music and indi- see as much indigenous art. At, as you would at wide open spaces, sure. uh, mixed in with electronic so, music. Is that near Alice Springs? Yeah, Alice Springs is the most beautiful spot. Yeah, it's it's so next level. And I heard that that's the one, and that's the most amazing one. And yeah, but I only really got an opportunity to get out there once. Like I only really had an opportunity to get out to uh, Earth Frequency once as yep. well. Uh, when I did the Boris Brescia tour, and I got to tour manage him out there. Yeah. Um, but they're the same. Boris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the Future same. Future friend of the pod. They're the, <laughs> he, he is Bush Taylor. Yeah. Uh, that festival's the same. They are what they preach. Yep. They're family. They're, they're, they are the yoga. They are the spiritual. They are the meditation. They are the mm-hmm. They are the cultural aspect of it all. They, they are the sustainability. They, they're everything that they preach. There's not many fest, festivals that actually are what they preach. They, they yep. use it as a marketing ploy, but... The, those two festivals, they, they really do it. There's yep. others as well, like like Confest is amazing. It doesn't have music though; it has more like drum circles and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, the, yeah, these these ones are really special and, and should be checked out if you yep. if you're into uh, actually expanding yep. consciousness. So, um, before we move on, the organic audio. Whilst we're talking about Brown Alley, probably a good time to give it a plug. Friday, April twelfth, um, Black and White Party Artist Showcase. Doors open from ten pm. Um, Kind of a quick break. And yeah, then, no, look, like, and, then, and now no, we're going to because while we're on the tip, because I'll, yep. I'll lose momentum. Yeah, look, like Tolly turned around to me. Yeah, and he was like, "Mate, mate, <laughs> mate, like you know, let's do a gig together. Yeah, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for it. Mm. Like, you come, you play all night, you get cheer. She does all the art, all, <laughs> all the decor. Let you bump yep. in, like you can, can come in all week and do decor. Yeah, he's like, let's let's make it about you. You know, like you know, you're a good kid. And I was like, oh fuck, how can I say no? Yeah. And, like, I've always wanted someone to kind of ask me to DJ all night. Yep. And, you know, and we will put a lot of energy into doing decor and making it look really cool. And mm-hmm. it, it's come at a time where, where, so, pretty, where things are pretty hectic and, and it's it's a bit scary with the amount of time we've had to promote and, and do the build. But How long are you going to play for? All night. Well, Jai's, Jai's going to warm up for me. Yeah. So uh, what, from mid? From, from, from 10 midnight? till 12. And, and then you're midnight till the end, till, yep. till people leave. Wow. Yeah, and and Luke Vecchio is playing all night in the garden bar. Do you think um, Tali will actually come and have a listen, or will he just uh, sit in the green room? 
Hey? Do you think Talia will come and have a listen or will he sit no, in the green room? No, he's just in the staff room all night. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to be a ripping party in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. But that, look, that's really special, this one. And, like, I, I mean, like, I'm not someone to really self-promote. But, fuck, it'd be awesome if anyone listening to this that is of, like, being on the ride, it'd be awesome if you came down. Because, yep. um, yeah, I, I, I'm finding the confidence for the first time ever to give it a fair crack. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I want to make a go of this. It's yep. always been about the art and and I love doing art and I want to do more of it and, you know, all the kind of so, industry side of things yep. that I got involved in. So what can people expect? I didn't love it. You know what I mean? I did it, but I didn't yep. love it. I do have moments of absolutely loving it, but, yep. you know, during the week I definitely don't love it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I love making music. I love playing music. That's yep. what I want to do more of and... I love the entrepreneurial and creative coming up with concepts and, and ideas and, and I'm finally in a place now where like I've done enough shit that I can I can be creative. I can be just like, I have an idea. Yep. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Form some teams, get some people together and, and, and it kind of happens yeah, and cool. it works and I don't have to get do all the nitty gritty shit that like it's just not me. Yep. So you when know? someone walks into the venue on uh, the 12th, what, what can they expect? Just the best that we can do <laughs> you know, for the short amount of time that we've had to do yeah. it. So I mean, is there going like, to be art and stuff displayed or is it more just like that? Yeah, like, like, like I went and got like a shitload of cardboard boxes today. So we're going to do like these three-dimensional cubic kind of structures. Ooh, okay. It's going to be like all painted black and white and yep. there'll be like a little bit of little bit of like visuals and stuff but mostly like black lights mm-hmm. on, on these kind of cubic block structures yep. and then Cheers going in and she's creating murals around Brown Alley, which is really cool because oh, Brown nice. Alley is, you know, yeah. could do with some murals. <laughs> uh, <you know. laughs> and Bush Techno coming through the tweeters? Yeah, like so I think I'm just going to really start with those three kind of projects that I that I mentioned earlier that yep. I had this Oni May project thing mm-hmm. that I'm going to eventually one day, which will be a sound, which will be like the Acid Pauly, Nicholas Jari type stuff and then... I'll merge that into like the you yep. know Dirty Bird influence kind of bass house electro kind of revolver influence mm-hmm. stuff, books influence stuff, and in, into a bush techno ending. So, so question, I guess you probably just half answered so, yeah, it. But try if you can like do whatever you want, but then kind of taper it back. <laughs> That's how I'm starting. <laughs> so, uh, question from good friend of the fo- yeah. <laughs> question from good friend of the pod, uh, Molly Harris. Uh, when when you are preparing or creating your set, are you um, do you have the vibe or is it more of you trying to tell a story with your song selection or how much are you just feeding off the crowd? Dude, like I try not to think about it as much as possible. Yep, and just feel. Like, I just try just to be organised. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's one of life's hardest goals. Put a bit of organisation <laughs> to where the music is yep. in the folders, you know, and the rest is just don't think about it, 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 think about it until until you're behind the decks. Yep. And then when you're behind the decks, just do it. Yep. If I think about it, I'll like I'll puke probably. Do you know? What I mean? like, <laughs> yep. You know, I, I I don't really get nervous anymore, and mm-hmm. it's because I've learnt the art of not right. thinking about it. Right. Well, I've got some questions that are going to yeah. make you very nervous after this <laughs> after this toilet break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Please excuse this break in transmission. For those listening on iTunes, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, due to the file size of the server, this one actually went so long that we split it into two parts. So this concludes part one. To find part two of the TB podcast with Musker, 
the next file on your download list should be part two. So just, uh, yeah, unfortunately due to the size that we can upload maximum there, we've had to split this one into two parts, only on iTunes, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So for the full version uh, in one big file that you can get for yourself, uh, you can find it at SoundCloud. And once again, all photos and this episode brought to you by Trentoff.com. All photos can be found at Trentoff.com or on the TB Podcast Facebook page. Thanks for listening and enjoy part two. It gets juicy and quite universal with Mr. Musket.